This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello, 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 hello. That was pretty bad, ladies and gentlemen. That was really, really bad. And Samson has put me in place to recap this game for y'all and to talk about a loss. Um, I'm going to send this out to Twitter just now, just so people can, can hear it and listen and tap in if they'd like to. But what a bizarre and um just terrible game from the toronto raptors on all fronts ladies and gentlemen uh hey samson if you're in here let me know how to share this on twitter i have no idea how to but um look folks it's been it's been a rough one this game was just absolutely terrible the raptors lose 122 to 99 against the 10 win san antonio spurs they have only one, well, actually now 11 wins San Antonio Spurs. They have 43 losses, and the Raptors just couldn't keep them at bay. Victor Wembanyama came into Toronto looking like Slenderman with the, I'm sure you guys saw the pregame outfit, and absolutely dominated. It was one of those coming out party type of moments that you see from an, a future all-time great that you just, you marvel at. You you have no words to discuss a player like Victor Wembanyama because he is so unreal, so unfathomable that what you're watching just does not compute in your head. 27 points, 10 blocks. Yes, the 10 blocks are something that people are going to bring up a lot. Uh, 14 rebounds, but five assists and two steals to bring up. I mean, everything that Wemby was made out to be, advertised to be, is. He is that. Um, and I mean, it's just from the idea that he is bending defenses in a way that not many players can do, bending the offense, you know, commanding so much attention on both sides that he completely changes your game plan. He completely changes what you want to do on a basketball court. And Victor Wembanyama was just sensational tight. I, I mean, other, otherwise, we would be... We would be remiss to not talk about Wemby as the focal point of this game. We can get into the Raptors side of things in a second, but I think the way I want to start this is to just talk about the way Wemby completely changed this game. If we throw it back to the Raptors' first meeting against Victor Wembanyama, and this was in November, I believe, obviously that very classic game, Scotty Barnes hits the, the big shot late. The Raptors come back from down like 20-plus and make the win. It's, it was a good feel-good win for the Toronto Raptors, especially for Scotty Barnes and you know his early developmental season. But in the first half of that game, you'll remember how much Wemby was terrifying the Raptors. You know, guys were second-guessing themselves on drives. Guys were second-guessing themselves attacking the paint. And the exact same thing happened tonight where he just swallowed up every opportunity in the paint for them. 
and I sort of mentioned this on Twitter as well, but the Raptors have a bit of an over-reliance on getting to the paint and getting to the rim. When that dries up, their solutions, their counters offensively aren't really there. Um, and so we saw that tonight. We saw that a couple of nights ago. We saw that against Cleveland as well, who just dominated in the paint. Um, this seems to be a reoccurring problem for this particular Raptors group. Emmanuel, quickly, you know, the Austrian barbecue, right? As everybody likes to call them. Uh, I thought that was the reason the Raptors lost this game is the ability that they just couldn't get in to the paint. And when they tried to get into the paint, there was a seven foot four monster of a human being there waiting for him, blocking shots, deterring shots at the basket, making things impossible. In the second half, there was, you know, a little bit of an effort to try and draw him out. You know, when you think about uh, everybody here will be, will be talking about, you know, the, the playoffs from last year. If you remember, if you remember folks, uh, the Lakers and Warriors had a series and one of the key sort of ingredients the Warriors had there was to find a way to draw out Anthony Davis because he was just he was taking up too much space in the paint, making things so difficult for them on the inside. And so what they had to do was find ways to engage Anthony Davis as a defender, draw him out and then therefore try to attack the basket. The Raptors tried to do that a little bit in the third quarter. They just didn't do so successfully. And then it got to the point where they were like, okay, if we can't if we can't draw out Wemby, let's try to attack him one-on-one. -on -one. So Scotty tried to attack him one-on-one, -on -one, got blocked twice. Uh, Jakob tried to attack him a couple times, also got blocked. And so they were playing a failing game. They were dealt a hand where they just were not able to contribute. Uh, and that's how they lost this game, ladies and gentlemen. Just an abhorrent effort on the offensive end. Um, a bad matchup, but they just couldn't figure out and solve the matchup either as the game progressed. Um, and, you know, if we want to talk about the positives, which I'll get to, I see a lot of people bringing it up as well. Grady Dick was sensational. He was absolutely awesome in this game. Scored 17 points. Uh, he put up, like, what am I? No, 18 points, excuse me. Put up 18 points, made four threes was really, really confident once again, settled into his shots. I thought the bench unit in general with him, uh, Kelly Olenek, Emmanuel Quickly, sort of found a little rhythm there to, to work through the kinks of things. And you really saw that the chemistry with him and Kelly Olenek in those dribble handoff situations, the pick and roll situations that they kind of en enveloped together, it worked really, really well. They were successful in that, and I hope that they can tap into that more often because Grady's ability to put the ball on the floor and make reads and then, you know, as he likes to, relocate as he's pitching back the dribble handoff. So he'll pitch it to Kelly Olenek, he'll move behind, and he'll grab it again, pitch it back to him and move again. This is the sort of like pet actions, right, that you look for from a big man and, and a guard, that type of tandem. Uh, and so I really like that. I really like the aspect for them to be able to tap into that from their second unit. The starters struggled immensely. We will get into that in a second. Uh, if you guys have any questions or anything like that to, to drop in the chat, we appreciate you if you do. Uh, once again, uh, this is Esfandi Arberahini. I'm tapping in for Samson Folk. I really do appreciate y'all for listening to me. I do because, you know, you're used to a voice. You're used to a guy like Samson with his charming self here to talk to you guys about the Toronto Raptors so eloquently. And uh, yeah, listening to me, my my schmuckness. Appreciate you guys doing it. I'm going to, 
invite a friend onto the stage just to help me out here, Baker, to Infinity and Banyama. How you doing, brother? How's everything going? I'm doing well. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying out this uh, this whole re, you know podcast thingy. Yeah. <laughs> and and trying to keep the people entertained after a really ugly game would you did you watch any of that i watched like some here and there you know the score usually if the score is like very bad i, I try to just like just go to the next game but uh nice you know but um but yeah man you you kind of hit it on the head um wemby's insane man <laughs> he's just he, like could you like just imagine like what he what he could like produce like if he was actually playing like regular starters minutes and oh, yeah. not like this like under 30 minutes like bit that Popovich has passed him on this entire season? But um it's just like he's so like he just creates so much havoc on defense. Like even if the offense isn't working, like his ceiling as a shot blocker is like to basically like what my name is right there right under me like to infinity and Benyama, basically so um i don't know how yeah. you game plan for it man i just like you know with with guys who are really great shot blockers in the nba you know you think about victor uh anthony davis right you think about jaron jackson jr guys who are like seven feet tall have incredible reaction speed all that type of stuff still there's a way to engage them and make it so that they don't have enough time to recover but that's just not the case with Wemby. It just doesn't exist. Like he can, there was a play against Scotty, you know, I think it was for his uh, eighth or ninth block. I can't remember. It might've been for his eighth. Yeah. I'm losing track of the blocks that he had um, where Scotty got into the paint and Wemby was out on the perimeter and it felt like there was just no way that Wemby was going to be able to react in time to get this. And he got the block. And you're yeah. you're sitting there, you're dumbfounded at the idea that he could just do this on a regular basis, uh, and not to mention, you know, outside of the defensive stuff, offensively, seventy-one percent from the field, put up twenty-seven points, had five assists, fourteen rebounds, two steals. Just, I I remember there was when I was a kid, there was a game LeBron had against the Raptors. This was like really early into his career too. I think it was maybe like 2004, 2005. Might've been 2005. He dropped 60 on them. Okay. Uh, and I remember watching it. I'm like, dog, like this, you, you look at this and you're like, this is a different stratosphere of basketball. Like you're looking at it and you're yeah. like this, this, this isn't even on the same plane of existence as what the Raptors at that time were doing. And it sort of feels like that right now, even though the Spurs are 10 and 43 or 11 and 43, you look at Wemby and you say this is something that's so generational is the word that people use. It's true. So special is the is the word that people will use. It's true. Like he has just been um, a star. And I mean, from your perspective, you know, you watch the league at large. Do you think he is the rookie of the year now? Because he's been balling for like two months. Has he has he taken Chet's spot as the rookie of the year? I had him as rookie of the year, regardless, honestly. Okay. Because, um, uh, you know, I, I know like Chet's been awesome, but um, it's just like it's kind of just you know he's on like a, he's on the team with like who's was gonna have like the MVP, the reigning like the the soon to be MVP. Um, they have like all this collection of young guys who've been playing really well, and you know they're a top seed, so. How much is he really like? You know, I know he's 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 definitely played. He's definitely what's called um 
um, carried his load in terms of, you know, production. Yeah. But um, in terms of just, you know, like, like what Chet, what's Chet's uh, uh, degree of difficulty and what's Wemby's degree of difficulty, like it's, it's two different planets, honestly. And, um, you know, Wemby's had to, you know, kind of just play, he's kind of just had to play, you know, kind of by him on his own. He's trying to get his just on his own because, you know, he, he doesn't play, he doesn't really play with like the greatest of teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's fact, like a, yeah. it's like an efficiency versus, uh, you know, box score type of thing. And like Chet, I don't want to take away from Chet. Chet has been awesome too. Yeah, uh, he's, he's course. slowed down here a little bit just because the three point shot isn't falling as much and whatnot, but I mean, it's hard not to look at Wemby and say, especially him being, I believe, two years younger than Chet. You look at him and you're like, man, this is, again, you look like it's not even in the same ballpark of talent. Of course, Chet is still a great player. He's going to be an all-star, probably will become an all-NBA player. But you look at Wemby and you're like, this could be a a potential future GOAT, you know? Um, It's just, it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Also, I have like a big pet peeve when it comes to redshirt rookies. Like, I just don't like it. I don't like it when they get the awards. It's like, fair. Yeah. You have like a year to just watch the game, watch film, understand what the NBA game is like. Like, he got a, he got a year to not only yeah. rehab, but also like bulk up his body and just like kind of just like work on whatever he could just by watching. So I think yeah. that year, that year off, you kind of get an advantage like other than like from like the the guys who are just coming off fresh off of college or international so right like that's basically kind of my pet peeve like a little bit like redshirt rookies you know like being in these award talks because it, you know you you basically had like a, a year it's like the the malcolm brogman donovan mitchell thing right or wait wait was that was ben that Simmons, the same ben, ben simmons ben, ben simmons, simmons you're right mitchell, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he wore the not a rookie t-shirt rookie. and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, I mean, I hear you. I, I, I like, I generally agree with that argument. Um, but also it's not like, I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going to say no? You know, are we going to say yeah. he's not allowed? He's not going to be eligible for, I don't, yeah, I don't think yeah. that's, unless yeah, they he, put that in the rules, I'm not willing to, yeah, you know, 100%. make that, a, you know? Um, yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask you in general, if you caught any part of the game, uh, any sort of thing that popped out to you, anything from the Raptors side that you, you want to ask a question or have, have something to mention a note, anything, um, Mr. Baker. Greener Dick's been good, man. Yes, he's he has. Really, he's, been, yeah. he's been awesome, man. He's, he's, he's looking a lot more comfortable out there. There's, he's got confidence. Whenever he shoots the ball, he feels like he's going to make it. And he's been making a lot of the shots and, um, you know, he just like he 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 just looks a lot more like I know like when the shots are hitting, like your confidence is just like it just grows like yeah immensely. More coming from somebody who likes to shoot the ball when he plays basketball, like the more you make the shots, even like your misses, even oh, when yeah. you're missing, like you you feel you, you like, feel you're the feeling, rhythm. Yes, yeah, yeah. You're feeling, so he's in rhythm right now, um, and all the other thing, all the other little things that he's doing, it's kind of popping off as well. Like, you know, the rebounding, you know, the cutting, you know, um, he's had some nice finishes around the basket in the last couple of games. Yep. Um, you know, the, I like the little curl actions they're running for him. Like, you know, he's getting a little downhill and he's like kind of stopping for the mid range. You know, I saw, I saw a couple of those today. And um, so he's played it really well. He's, he's been kind of like the bright spot mm-hmm. in these last couple of games, even though like the games haven't been relatively close. But um, he, yeah, he's been playing really well. 
Um, this is a rough game for Scotty, um, but not 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 really like diminishing him once one single one bit, but like because you know Victor Victor's like literally like patrolling the paint and he can't really get to the rim when he wants to. Yeah. Um. So you know, and then you know. So yeah, that 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 struck out to me, but uh, but yeah, I guess I, I guess I'll I'll just I'll jump on the Scotty note, um, because I think that's a point, and I see everybody in the comments talking about Scotty, so I'll this is where we can have the Scotty conversation for a little bit. Um, when you look at Scotty's game post Pascal Siakam, the main things that have popped to me are that if he can't if he can't be more physical. Or if he can't can't like out size out you know kind of strength a team in the post and just dominate in the post, then he doesn't have any other counter that kind of works to his advantage to create his own shot. For the large part of his rookie year, it was that mid range jumper, right? Like he could settle into the the ten to foot. 10 to 15 foot jumper. He had a nice little soft touch that he could kind of elevate over defenses and hit those shots. That was what Scotty was thriving with to start the season. Scotty had that three point shot, right? And that three point shot, especially when it was, you know, a catch and shoot situation, he could do that. And then teams started respecting that a little bit more running him off the line a little bit more. So he could attack, you know, a tilted defense attack a closeout, and then get to the rim that way. When that isn't available to him, and when there's a team like tonight with Wembenyama in the help side defense, or you know, like a couple of nights ago, there's going to be struggles. But then you look at the Cleveland game, and you're facing off against Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. The dude puts up a 30 point triple double, and you wonder what the difference in that is. Well, there's there's a couple of different things. I think for starters, Scotty likes to play against the matchup of Mobley and Allen more because he feels like he can out out hustle them out physical them. I think those yeah. are two guys that he feels physical uh feels better I guess against kind of out muscling those two guys. Yeah. And you know, we've seen them in the struggle in in the playoffs last year, struggle with physicality. Like Julius Randle did that exact same thing to them. Mitchell Robinson did that exact same thing to them. For yeah. the Cavs, that's an ongoing issue. Um and Scotty took full advantage of that, you know, in that game. When you look at teams that he struggles against, Houston was a good example. Dylan Brooks, big body, can't out outstrong him, right? Uh, even Jeff Green for certain points of the game. Jabari Smith Jr. for certain points of the game. Guys who can keep up with him laterally so he can't blow by them, but also they have the strength to keep up with him physically on the inside. And Scotty had a tough game that night. Tonight it was more about the free safety ability of Wembenyama and just his ability to corral things that you wouldn't expect him to do. And when you look at Scotty, the way he was trying to attack, it was kind of a lost cause because Wemby is roaming on the weak side, ready to clean things up and make things even harder for him. So this is part of the process, ladies and gentlemen. And I know people are going to hate that answer because you expect your franchise player to constantly put 30 point triple doubles up to constantly be a 25, five and five guy. But that's just not the case. That's just not the way this works for some of the players in the league. And Scotty clearly still needs to grow offensively to develop these counters. If we were to grow, go back, right? Baker, you'll remember this, right? Pascal Siakam in the bubble, right? I, I bring that up and people get haunted, right? People are traumatized by that idea. But the growth that Pascal saw from that bubble series 
to where he is now is because he developed counters to his game. It's because when the post game wasn't working against Jalen Brown in that bubble series, he didn't have much else to go to. And so he developed that mid-range jump shot as a potent counter. And he became one of the most effective mid-range scores, one of the most great, like literally one of the most efficient isolation scores in the league over the next three or four seasons. Scotty has to figure that out. Scotty has to work through the kinks of that. And it's great because he's only 22. He's figuring out how he's going to be able to develop his game at a much younger age than what Pascal was trying to do. But you want to... You want to see these steps, and I think the missteps are just as important as the as the successful nights. You know, the fact that he can put up a thirty point triple double is a good indication of what you can hopefully expect to see consistently from him once he reaches his prime. I'm sorry, I've been on my soapbox for like five minutes talking Scotty, but I hope people can kind of understand. I, I guess anything that catches your mind from from what I mentioned when it comes to Scotty. Yeah, um, you know, you you don't want to be one dimensional. You don't want to be uh, predictable on offense. Like, yeah. um, you kind of want to add that variety into your game. You know, I keep saying this about the teams that you know some of the players that I root for or whatever, just to add like more variety, like add more kinks in the armor than to like what than to just be than to just have this and that. Like, you know, you want to have more like you you want to have more counters and more you know you know, more, more, basically more chinks in the armor. I know I said that already, but like, um, mm-hmm. you just want to have that, like, you just want, you know, if the defense gives you this look, you can go to this. If they give you that yeah. look, you can go to this. You just want to have as many answers to the, to the test as pros- as possible. Yeah. No so, doubt. um, yeah. So if the, if the rim's not available, you know, like you, you like develop, get a mid range, get the mid range going, get a floater going, you know, you know he developed he, he was shooting well from three maybe take some more threes um because you know you want to you want to just have like if you can't like get to the rim as much you know you don't want to just sulk and you know just you want to have a bag up. right yeah, you want to exactly. have a bag right yeah. um it's it's interesting i see a lot of comments right now about uh scotty's body language and you know uh, that that type of stuff him walking off before the game finished and you know he was he was kind of walking off before it ended it was like three seconds left and he was already near the locker room um you know there's 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 certain clips out there that you can see of of him you know maybe he gets a turnover and then doesn't run back on defense type of things and i mentioned this i think this is really important for rebuilds you watch it in detroit you watch it in houston last year before they went out and added a bunch of players um when you build bad habits or when you develop bad habits in a losing environment, they tend to stick. And what the Raptors have to be very, very careful of moving forward is that they can't let these bad habits stick. A 30-point loss against the Spurs and then having no effort, having like a really lethargic performance on defense where you allow 122 points to the Spurs, um, that goes to show you that you need to fix those habits to make it so that even when you are losing, even when you are taking L's, you got to figure out a way to not have these ugly habits happen. Um, I just, I think like this is something that you see in Detroit right now when there's a habit of losing, right? You, you go into every game expecting a loss. You go into every game expecting the same outcome. And so it's really hard to figure out development and it's hard for a, a, a player to burst through the seams and like change that atmosphere, change that culture. 
You see it in Houston. Like it, it you require multiple free agents, vets, right? You get you get a, a Dylan Brooks, you get a Fred Van Vliet. Those guys can help maybe like bring along some of the younger players and help establish those winning habits. It's tough to do this when there's been so much turmoil throughout the season. I've always said this, but like the Raptors season has been like three different seasons. They had the season with OG and Pascal. It went horribly. They traded OG. And then they had the season with Pascal and IQ and RJ and Scotty. And that was like three weeks because it was sort of temporarily waiting for Pascal to get traded. And now they have this new, you know, kind of new season on them, which is just a full-blown rebuild, restarting, refinding themselves or finding themselves again. And I, I think it's, you know, a lot of people bring up culture and Jay brings up, it'll be harder for Scotty to develop under a losing culture. It's harder for anything to develop under a losing culture. And that's why the Raptors harp on winning so much, because once you start losing pretty badly, it's hard to develop these type of things. You look at the Spurs. Last year, the Spurs were one of the most terrible teams in the bas- in basketball, like really, really bad basketball all throughout. They had some interesting players, Devin Vassell, Jeremy Sohan, Keldon Johnson. Like there's some intrigue there, but they were playing bad basketball. You at you, they had to add a talent, a generational talent like Victor Wembanyama to change that because he injects a level of life and, you know, a kind of enthusiasm to that team that makes it seem different. Um, and yeah, Phoenix plays. He mentions it. It's like, I mean, it doesn't help if you have a trans, it does help if you have a transcendent player like Wemby. Yes, that is exactly what helps. That's, that's what changes the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. That's what changes, you know, uh, Shea Gilders Alexander and OKC. Like you can do that with generational type of talents. I think that Scotty can eventually become a really, really good player, an all-star, an all-NBA player. He's already an all-star. Um, but you also have to figure out a way to make it work around him, to, to elevate his game, to accentuate his strengths. I think the beginnings of this core sort of make sense around what he looks like. But you also you need to find ways to successfully do it, man, which is just yeah. it's the, the toughest part about this whole thing. Um, yeah. Baker, anything you, I don't, I don't want to leave you here for too long. Anything else you want to say before you, you head out of here? Um, it's fine. You know, I can stick around for a little bit, but, uh, um, all, uh, on your point about like, you know, not wanting to build those, ha- those bad habits. Um, yeah. Like I, I'd much rather, you know, play, play hard and loss than just, you know, kind of just roll over and die. Um, because, you know, at least like, you know, you're, you're in these games, you're building like, you know, good winning habits, but like, you know, you're not winning. It's like, it comes down to like maybe a few plays that you can kind of correct and fix. Yeah. But um, I'd much rather just like try to just be in a game where if I lose by like three or four or five or like a small margin of victory and like, but rather than just like roll over and die against all these teams, because, you know, at the same time, like you're trying to get, you're trying to develop these guys, but how are you going to develop guys? Like when you're losing by like 30 points or more. So um, honestly, just like, you know, if they, even if these losses were like close, like I think, you know, steps, you know, good habits can be built when you just play, when you just play hard. Like if you look at like the, if you look at like I know Charlotte's not not like really good, but at least like they're I, I feel like they're kind of competitive now. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're trying to like at least like trying to push, trying to actually win, but like you know, they they just can't do it to like, you know, not having like um 
you know, enough veterans on their team or, you know, not being like, you know, like good in like these in certain spots. But, yeah. um, you know, I'd much rather, you know, you know, just try to play hard and try to actually win. And, you know, I, I know it's like, you know, you're trying to probably lose and, you know, not try to hurt your draft pick or whatever. But, you know, it's you definitely want to build like, you know, good, good habits and not have this like culture of losing because, you know, then like you're going to be you're you'll become like the Pistons, the the Bulls, like not the Bulls, but, like, you know, like these bottom tier teams. Yeah, the ter- really the, the rebuilds that have been stuck there for a while. Right. Yeah. Like that's yeah, that, I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah. I guess just to just to sort of round out and and end this Scotty conversation, maybe we can get back to it later. But he's still an incredible player, and yeah, sure. he's shown that on multiple occasions. Ali does have a good one. Take care. Um, it, it, multiple occasions, he's shown his ability to be a, a a transcendent type of player. It's just about stacking these things together and stacking quality games together. Wemby has had bad games too this season. Like there have been games where he's been really, really bad. Um, so it's tough to to put that all on Scotty right now. Um, and the other thing I would say is it's funny. This is something I've noticed league wide, a trend, if you will, that I've noticed league wide, in that guys who are in their third year right now. So it's Scotty, it's Franz, it's Shangun, um, you know, some of these other guys. The, the the ones that are like turning into all-star level players still don't have that consistency to them. And this is part of the process of turning into an eventual star. You have to find ways to develop that consistency, have that same approach every night, find ways to be successful on any given night against any different coverage. You look at a guy like Franz, and I, I watch a lot of Orlando Magic games, so I know this. There will be nights where he'll have 25-5, and five, great efficiency. He's knocking down threes, making plays. And then the next night, he'll be 12-4-4. Four and four. And you're like, what 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 happened? Like, what what changed? Shangun, right? Shangun against the Raptors was 7-7. Seven and seven. He, he's, I, Obviously, he was apparently dealing with a back issue, but he struggled for a, a good chunk of that game. Comes out. I believe tonight he had a great game. So like it, there are there are these growing pains that happen for younger teams and younger players that you just have to go through in order to become that next player you expect to be. Yeah. Um you even even in a smaller level like a, a very a, a, a micro level of this. You look at Grady Dick's season, right? Grady Dick to start the year was showing off different flashes, showing little things but couldn't get his shot off then went to the G League, reemerges from the G League, struggles a little bit, isn't really there. His shot isn't there. He's still trying to figure things out. The conditioning, they put him on a two-week program to get his conditioning right. And then he comes back now, and he's shooting 40% from three, had 18 points tonight, developing his off-the-dribble game, making plays, looking more comfortable with the ball, settling into his shots, becoming a better three-point shooter. In a micro level, he just had that three-year arc. Like, like you know, not, not to the same degree, but, like, you see the progression, and he had to go through that in order to get out on the other side. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's development is a really, really weird um, just thing to try to track in the NBA yeah. because no one case is the same as the other. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's just – it's weird. 
Uh, Phoenix plays. He says the difference is Scotty doesn't really pass the eye test in terms of what a traditional wing shot creator looks like. Franz does. I don't think Scotty has any face up game. Yeah, I mean that that's part of what I was mentioning earlier with the counters, right? Yeah. Scotty is such a talented post player that when the post isn't available to him, like it was tonight, the post was just not available to him. Uh, he struggles, and I think that's something that he has to find a counter to, find a way to develop, find a way to to work out as Pascal did four or five years ago. Um, that's just the natural progression of his game. And it might take a summer. It might take a season. It probably will take longer than that. And you got to just figure out a way to work out these counters because now the defensive attention is on Scotty, right? He is seeing two on the ball. He's saying he's seeing help at the nail when he drives. He's able to like even when there is a post opportunity for him, they're sending a double team almost immediately. There is going to be a level of scrutiny because of the fact that he's seeing a different coverage. And so when that coverage happens, when, when he's seeing that added attention, it's just going to be harder for him to, to develop those things. That's why having a summer to develop is important. That's why that's why I, someone suggested on Twitter the other day that Scotty Barnes should get shut down for the season. And it's like, that's just... You can't be doing that. You he needs these reps to learn what it means to struggle and learn yeah. what it means to be successful. Otherwise, how are you going to be able to develop your game? It's just not going to work, you know. Yeah, it's too tough. Much, too much, too much basketball left to be sitting down. Exactly, um, man. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're, if you're having this discussion like maybe April or like you know when the season's about to end, probably, but you know it's February. Like it's too, there's too many games left. Yeah, he he needs to know like what it's like to be what it's going to be like when he's the main key for NBA for NBA defenses because you know now especially now like teams are going to say okay we got to stop this guy before it was just you know let's contain Pascal um let's let's you know let's um kind of shade our attention towards Scotty but like you know not totally because they want to focus on like Pascal and like try to limit his as mm -hmm. let's call it on um, whatever he can do on the basketball court. But now like NBA teams are coming into Toronto or playing Toronto saying, yeah, we got to, we're, we're keying in on, on number four. So yeah, he's got to learn, he's got to learn how to adjust and, you know, sitting him out for X, Y, Z amount of times. Like it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be good for him. Cause he needs Lucas. Or sorry, Luca. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Baker. Uh, Luca asked, "Is the defense just a buy-in? It's concerning seeing Scotty, Yak, IQ, RJ consistently get lit up. What's the upside on that floor? Uh, on, on that end of the floor, you look at the Raptors roster, and this should be a better defensive team. But they just gave up 120 points for the 15th time in 2024." They've played, I think, like 20 games or something in 2024. They've given up 120 points 15 times this in 2024. It's just the, the defense is clearly not working. Uh, and, you know, part of that is Jakob was injured. IQ was injured. RJ was injured. So they were battling through injuries through half of it. But since they've came back, it hasn't looked good either. But you look at the talent of this team on the defensive end, and it should be better. You know, Scotty obviously especially at the start of the season, was thriving as the weak side help, Romer off of the ball, using his length to muck up passing lanes and get these incredible blocks, right? Emmanuel quickly, also a great off-ball player defensively, really great on rotations, really great on the help side, needs to do a little bit of work on the on-ball defense to improve. 
Bruce Brown typically should have been a good on-ball and off-ball defender, but he's just not been that since being in Toronto. He's like, at first you could have called it quiet quitting, but he's here to stay now. And and you just haven't seen any defensive effort from Bruce Brown whatsoever. Grady Dick is still a negative on that end. He still has to figure things out. The size, you got to get in the weight room, you know, and that's something that he has to grow at eventually. But Yaka Pirtle, obviously a good functional big, has been a part of a lot of great team defenses. I think even despite the Raptors struggling on defense, Jakob has been pretty good. Their issue lies at the point of attack. They yeah. bleed drives. They get destroyed on dribble penetration. And it's just too much for Jakob Pertle to clean up. They have an anchor. The anchor is Jakob Pertle. And the anchor, I mean, in terms of just the backline help, Jakob and Scotty as the low man can really, really do things for the Raptors and, and like cause trouble for offenses. The issue is the perimeter is not helping them out in any sort of way. I'll give you a more extreme example in the NBA so people can relate to it. The Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers have a shot-blocking, rim-deterring type of defender in Miles Turner. But Miles Turner has been absolutely getting cooked this season. Why? Because the perimeter is just wide open wide open Tyrese Halliburton is letting drives to the basket Aaron Neesmith is good but you know still allowing a lot of drives to the basket when Buddy Heald was there a lot of that um Andrew Nembard is literally their only good great actually point of attack defender other than that they just they have nobody else that can put a stop to someone at the point of attack the Raptors are dealing with that exact same issue where Jakob can't be in five places at once <laughs> and and it yeah. creates that problem where they have to find a way to be sound at the point of attack and also allow for their backline help to be dominating yeah. in the way that it could. Taking a step further, man, Milwaukee Bucks. Like, yeah, absolutely. Brooke Lopez, Giannis, like, you know, are great rim protector, rim deterrence, but, you know, Dave, Damian Lillard, Malik Beasley, Chris Middleton, they can't really hold up their end at the point of attack either. So it's allowing a lot of dribble drives to mm -hmm. the rim and it's putting a lot of stress on Giannis and Brooke Lopez to just like help you know try to at least like you know offer some resistance but it's it's caused them to get lit up in a lot yeah. of these games yeah so, yeah it's tough man um I I mentioned you know let's see let's see what people are saying in the comments a little bit uh what plus minus doesn't tell you the minutes RJ played were mostly with Wemby playing Scotty Scotty got to play with and against the bench uh that actually changed uh, Antoine Rose that actually changed today so they actually had IQ running with the bench and Scotty playing with the starters for a good chunk of it and they flipped that rotation so usually typically in Raptors games it'll be Scotty subbing out first and then IQ will stay on with the starters and once the bench comes in Scotty will sub in as well and sort of commandeer the bench um, those lineups have not been successful. So that's probably why they're doing the change. Uh, and, you know, I think that probably goes to, they want to see a different look with Kelly and IQ and Kelly and Grady. And I actually thought that was one of the pluses, one of the positive sides of this game tonight, where you saw a clear chemistry between Kelly and Grady between IQ, Kelly, and Grady. The only time the Raptors looked competent in this game was when their bench group was actually, you know, cutting cutting up things on offense. Uh, just it, They kind of looked like the Sacramento Kings in the way that they played, where it was like tons of dribble handoffs, 
a lot of movement around Kelly Olynyk, and Kelly Olynyk was doing his best Demontis Sabonis impression, where he was, you know, top of the key, kind of finding guys, finding cutters, finding shooters. Uh, I think that's actually something that you can take away from this game. I'm going to do a film room on that, and sort of, you know, tomorrow's recap. By the way, we'll we'll still be doing a recap. Um, yeah, that will probably be a part of it. I think it's just really, really good to look at that and say, hey, maybe the Raptors can find something from their bench uh, on that perspective. Okay, uh, let's see what else, what other questions you've got for us or any other comments or concerns. Uh, let's see. So Scotty left the bench before the game uh, was over. That should be a one-game benching. Um, it is worth noting, it is worth noting that the Raptors have suspended Pascal Siakam before for this. Pascal did this in the Tampa season, and he was suspended for a game. This was the infamous, um, I, I believe they, they said there was an altercation or something between Nick Nurse and Pascal Siakam in that game, and or after the game, and they suspended Pascal Siakam for con conduct detrimental to the team. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea if the Raptors are going to do that with Scotty Barnes. It is pretty rare for a guy to walk off the court before the game even ends and yeah. head to the locker room. So I, I can, I kind of understand where you guys are coming from here. I have no idea how the Raptors are going to approach it. Darko Ryakovich said that we need to build and develop more habits. He said, definitely a learning opportunity for all the players on the team from young guys to the vets. This is not the competitive spirit we want. Um, and so <laughs> That was a pretty non-answer. That was a pretty good non-answer from Darko, but yeah. it's just tough to see uh, the Raptors maybe not laying any sort of consequences at Scotty's feet here. I, yeah. I the, the body language stuff is so hard for me to acknowledge, but it's, it's also hard to dismiss because I was at the Cavs game and I'm looking at Scotty. He's talking to Kelly Olenek. He's, He's yelling. He's clapping his hands on defense. He's active. He's talking. He's saying, help, help, help. He's talking to Gary Trent Jr. And then you look at this game and, you know, turnover. He's not running back. Block shot. He's not running back. There's moments where he's complaining to refs. And you, and that is what happens when you're a young player is, the, yeah. is my answer to it. Like, that's the only way I can answer that is, like, it's a young guy who's having a tough game trying to figure it out. And he doesn't know how to. That's that's the way I look at it. But yeah, what about you? When, when stuff's not working, man, and you're you're young, like you start to get frustrated. You guys start to get flustered easy. You, you you've never met enough young people who like when they when when adversity is in front of them, yeah, and they're just cool and calm as collected. Like that. Like there's it's very rare for people that that young to just be you know level headed no matter what what is thrown at them. You know. And he was having a this was one of his worst games of the season. And yeah. so and he was, you know, like rightfully upset, you know, because he think he thinks he he holds himself to a higher standard than what he put on the floor today. So, you know, I kind of understand it. You know, he was, you know, you start to act out of character when stuff's not going your way. You know, everybody's done Especially it. when you're losing a lot, right? Like exactly. You're you're yeah. getting your you're getting your teeth kicked in. Like um, by the way, this isn't this like, isn't to excuse Scotty. I, I yeah, think it's not. There, there's an important learning lesson to have here. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure if that learning lesson is going to end up being like he gets suspended for a game or something. I have, I have no idea. Um, so I, I like to me, the bigger issue is that 
when Scotty is not figuring things out on the offensive end and like working through things, it's just tough for him to get engaged in other ways. Now, to be fair, he had nine rebounds. He had nine assists tonight. But at the same time, it felt like he wasn't engaged throughout uh, and he wasn't really involved. Um, I wanted to bring something up. So Gary Trent Jr. struggled tonight, 2-7 from the field, 28%, minus 19, four points. Uh, And there's been this sort of conversation on Twitter about whether they should start Grady Dick instead of Gary Trent Jr. Bring bring Grady in and do that and kind of change things up. It, it's tough to settle on one side or the other with this because the, both sides have valid arguments to it. Grady is able to put more, do more with the ball, you know, be able to create for himself a little bit more than Gary can right now. Gary ha- does better again with starters. Like he's just one of those guys that when you put him around talent, he's going to play better than he does with bench units. Um, and I just don't know what would be the right answer there. I think Grady looks better right now because he's being given ample room to grow. And I wonder how much that would change if he gets thrown in with the starters when it's you're playing a role now. And so that's part of the reason why I think it might be a little bit too early to say, let's start Grady right now. I do think Grady will start next season. That is my prediction is that Grady Dick will probably be the starter in, in place of Gary Trent Jr. next year. I think um, if these Oh, we're losing you, Bake. Oh, we're really? losing you. Oh, we lost you. Lost Hold on. me? Damn. Okay, we got you back. We got you back. Hello. Got me back? All right. All right. Um, I was going to say, I was saying, um, if he continues to play this well, and um, continues to just, uh, you know, grow his game, uh, game like game by game. I think he can start somewhere after the All Star break, and mm-hmm. just try to get those reps, you know, playing starters minutes, you know, try to develop like against like actual NBA starters, and to see yeah. like kind of like throw him into the fire and see what he does, um, because you know. He's played he's played a nice stretch of basketball recently and you know you kind of want to reward that with um and despite you know because Gary's not really playing well as of late and mm-hmm. um you know at this point like why not like why not throw a little wrinkle in there and just try to like see what they what the kids got man um yeah want to see uh pressure makes diamonds pressure makes diamonds man so, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you like, want him to gotta, grind you want Grady to get on his grind man so so yeah man like throw him into the fire see see what he's got you know if he doesn't if he doesn't play well you know you could just you know kind of just put him back on the bench like where what his regular role was yeah. and then bring bring Gary back you know it's a low risk low it's a low it's a very low risk high reward thing so you know, if it doesn't work, you know, you just you can send him back to his regular role. And if it if it does work, then you keep him in there. So yeah, yeah. I think he, he's got a chance to really get some minutes, you know, after the all-star break. It's like, you know, this team's not this team's not very good right now. So and uh they're not it doesn't look like they're gonna be any competitive to make the play in or be viable for a playoff spot. So why not why not try it? Um, yeah, no, that's, you're right. Uh, Phoenix play Z asked S who was on this, who on this team has the upside to be the secondary star next to Scotty 
or is that prospect not on this team yet? Hmm. The conventional answer would be that you look at Emmanuel Quickly or RJ Barrett and you say, well, those guys are just going to turn into those secondary stars. I probably would say that that star is not on the team yet. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I think IQ is a really, really good player. I think he is going to turn into a really good starter eventually. I'm not sure if I would necessarily call him a star. Maybe he turns into that. That would be awesome. I'm a really, really big Emmanuel Quickly fan. When the trade happened, I was up there saying, yes, we've got the next Raptors all-star here. Um, and maybe that happens. Maybe that type of star trajectory is there for IQ but there are immense things that he needs to work on in order to get to that. Uh, he needs to work on his playmaking and his ability to kind of make plays in the pick and roll and bend defenses. He needs to be able to attack and finish at the rim better. Um, I think the floater game is something that he's probably far too reliant on. I would like more of a mid-range uh, game for him as well, like a mid-range pull-up. I think the the pull-up shooting hasn't been good, but I, I also really want to give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't think the chemistry is there yet between some of the guys. He has excellent chemistry with Yaka Pirtle in the pick and roll, but it just feels like no one else is really in tune with what IQ can do elite off of the ball. Uh, and so that's just not there, man. Like I, I've watched a lot of IQ on the Knicks, and he was so good at relocating into space Guys would find him. He would make those shots. Guys are not finding him on the Raptors. Uh, they're not even looking for him when he relocates. And I think that's something that eventually has to grow and get better at. Um, RJ has been awesome. RJ has been incredible since he's become a Toronto Raptor, like playing the best basketball of his career. I wonder if Scotty and RJ is a tangible fit long-term just because of the way that RJ doesn't really have a three-point shot. Maybe it develops. Maybe maybe it gets fine-tuned, but I just don't see a way in which he becomes that secondary star or rises to the level of being a secondary st star next to Scotty. And so I'd probably lean the latter and say that the guy who you're expecting to be next to Scotty as that secondary sc star probably isn't on the team yet. Um, okay, we'll take, we'll take a couple more questions before we head out of here. Uh, appreciate y'all listening and tapping in for the people who are listening in the morning. Thank you guys for listening to this. Um, yeah, I know it's kind of unusual to be like, where's Samson? I miss Samson. I like his very, very nice and soothing voice. I hear you, man. I listen to Samson. I like his stuff, you know, but I gotta, I gotta tap in and, and, you know, tag in for my friend here. You know, he's, he's busy. He's doing some, you know, and I, I gotta, I gotta tap in and, and help him out. Uh, Samson is not at the game. Samson is uh, traveling right now. He is traveling. He is going somewhere. I'm sure he will tell you guys when he sees fit. Um, any other questions? Ask away. If not, we will get out of here and we will say so long. Um, if you started looking already, who do you like in this draft? Who do you think the Raptors draft? I have not started looking heavily, to be honest with you. I really don't. Like, Bake, if you want to jump in here and, and say there's someone that you really like, you can jump in. Uh, I only know the names that get brought up in our group chat. <laughs> Yves Missy. Um, you know, uh, there's there's another guy, I think like a, a big man that obviously Alex Saar is another guy everybody is talking about, but that's very unlikely. He's like a, 
uh, a, a number one overall pick. I don't see it, but yeah, you, you know anybody? You're you're muted, by the way, Big. Okay, you're you're not muted, but I can't hear you. So I don't know what's going on. We'll wait for you to come. But like, I, in terms of like what prospect would look really really good next to Scotty, I think you need a stretch big. Um, like a, a big who can stretch the floor, but also be this like utility knife on defense that can switch out, that can be commendable. I still can't hear you, Bake. That can be commendable at the point of attack and try to defend on switches. Um, I think a guy like, you know, if if I were to be ideal, like a very, very ideal person would be Victor Wembenyama, okay? If you were to put Victor Wembanyama on this team, no, I'm just kidding. Obviously, Wemby would change wow. the trajectory of this team. Now I can hear you, Big. Um, a player like Chet Holmgren oh, is probably yes, I can hear you now. Um, a player like oh. Chet Holmgren is the guy I would try to target. I'm not saying Chet. I, I'm not saying Chet, but the type of player in being a stretch five, a guy who can stretch the floor, but also be this rim protecting presence down low a guy who can put the ball on the floor and make some plays for you. Like you got to the, the, the Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembenyama, Miles Turner type of player. Alex Saar is another guy that everybody has their eyes on. I think Alex Saar would mesh really, really well with this core. I agree. Like, I think Alex Saar would be perfect for this team, but also folks, I don't think they will be in a place to get or draft Alex Saar unless they get to keep their pick. And then that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But yeah, uh, that's the type of player that I envision making a lot of sense next to Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, uh, I think Phoenix plays. He asked again, like, what secondary star skill set are you looking for? I think what I'm looking for is like a Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell type to play off of Scotty as a guard. Now, to be fair, there are things that Scotty needs to grow at too. Like he needs to be a, a great screener. He needs to improve as a screener. He needs to be more willing to play in DHO scenarios and like be this guy who can do the keeper play, get downhill. Like Scotty needs to improve at these areas too, because there are some things that Scotty needs to do to help IQ and those haven't happened yet. Uh, in general, I think that type of player though would make a lot of sense next, next to Scotty, a guy who can create his own shot, a guy who, a guy who can, he can play like this two man game with think a la Draymond and Steph or, you know, whatever, whatever type of player. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. That's why Grady works so well next to Scotty. Cause you look at, at Grady, the way he's able to move off of the ball, the way he's able to like sliver through space, be this dribble handoff guy. He can let it fly. He can cook. Uh, he can yeah. get downhill. He can finish like the, Grady fits really, really well. And if he turns into a star, man, like that would be crazy. I, I, I maybe I don't see it. Hopefully, like that would be awesome. But yeah, those are the type of players that I think look good next to Scotty will be on the playoff version of the Toronto Raptors. Um, and that's why I was so excited about the Emmanuel quickly pick. I'm still confident in quickly becoming a really, really good player with this team, but it also requires them to find a way to maximize quickly. And I, I personally don't think the Raptors have found a way to maximize quickly whatsoever. So that is the answer to your questions. Um, yes. Thank you very much for the folks who are listening. Uh, listen again, I really appreciate y'all for tapping in over a hundred people in here, listening to my live stream or whatever. Um, it's really, really appreciated. Super, super appreciated. 
Thank you so much. Um, how does Samson finish these things again? Oh yeah. Whether, whether you got this in the morning or at night or while you're walking your dog, have a blessed day and have a good night. He says something like that, right? Yeah, I, like I that. can't, I can't remember what it is. The goodbye at the end. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. The, the goodbye but, at the end. Yeah. Um, wow. so yes, whether you're tuning into this at night or in the morning or wherever you are, have a good day, have a blessed day. And yes, have a good night. Baker, thank you so much for tapping in. Man. No problem. One more thing. I'm paying yeah. homage to Samson and wearing the hat today. <laughs> Very nice. Hell yeah. yeah. The toque the is, is well and alive here on the <laughs> Raptors Reaction Pod. The toque is well and alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Thank you very much for listening in, everybody. Uh, subscribe. Do the liking that you guys do on the YouTube channel. It helps other people who might enjoy it listen to it and whether you got this in the morning third times in the charm third times in the charm whether you got into this in the morning at night or later on have a blessed day and have a good night take care